This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I am super chuffed to be talking to Rob Law, um, who when he tells you his uh, sort of business entrepreneur name on his business card will tell you exactly who he is. Rob, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Jenny, delighted to be here. Thank you. So um, tell everybody what's your freelance and I guess when I ask that question it's sort of do you even call yourself freelance? Tell everybody what it is that you do, your business and, and how you kind of define that for yourself as a self-employed person. I guess I, I define myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, my business card reads Trunky's Daddy. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, some people might label me as an inventor, having come up with the idea for the product and brought it to market. But uh, mm-hmm. what really excites me is not only product development, but marketing and e- the whole revolution in e-commerce at the moment. Um, so I'm quite commercially minded. So I'll probably side more on entrepreneur than uh, inventor. Brilliant. I love that. Oh, inventor always makes everybody think of like, you know, big goggles on your head and kind of explosions coming out of a shed at the bottom of the garden, that kind of inventor. I love the idea of sort of the, the kind of, yeah, Disney inventor style. That's, that, that's what that makes me think of a little bit. Um, so your journey, there's, the clue there is that you're obviously founder of Trunky and anyone who, I think even non-parents, anyone who's been to an airport, had their friends to stay with kids has probably seen a trunky. They're kind of a, they're a children's suitcase on wheels essentially, aren't they? With all these amazing colourful designs. I know as you're, we're interviewing, you've got loads on, on the wall behind you, which is brilliant, all these different designs. But, um, yeah, we've tried know. to revolutionise family travel with our ride on suitcases that allow parents and carers to take their kids off exploring the world and try and relieve those stresses and strains. Uh, and the boredom of, of traveling and, yeah. and the brand's now branched out into travel gear so not just for holiday but for every day from children's reins and swimming bags backpacks uh, lunch ranges anything when you're looking to leave the house we're inventing and imagineering products to make that journey as easy as possible i love it it's such a great example of having one core amazing product and i'm thinking well hold on people like this one what else could we do what other areas of children's and people's lives could we help by then invent and that's where the inventing comes in isn't it I guess are you always thinking is your mind always sort of tweaking ideas and suddenly you'll think oh my goodness we could do yeah like you say lunch boxes or, or swimming bags are you always, we always try and bring a, an innovative angle to it and quite often it's led by consumer insight mm-hmm. uh, for the majority of running the business I didn't actually have children and when I certainly mm-hmm. came up with the idea back in 97 I definitely didn't uh, my oldest is now six so now I'm actually finding a lot more ideas having the children around me rather than having to run focus groups and find out from parents what their travel woes are a great example of that actually is our 
our biggest release we did recently, which was a range of folding balance bikes and scooters uh, that take the trunky strap so you can tow your kids along on the scooters and bikes, but they've got to be really portable so they can fold and you can hang them back hang them on the back of the pram or the pushchair when when the kids get bored that's so clever and obviously yeah i've experienced you're like oh hold on this would be helpful it's um because you're the trunky people will likely know as well i re-watched it over lockdown there was a dragon's den um sort of best of and your story was on there so yeah you're one of the as it were dragon's den stories because you had a product you went on dragon's den and and you got no's, didn't you? It was a, it was a, a no on the Dragon's Den. I mean, yeah, I was, I was fiercely rejected by uh, yeah. Peter Jones telling my business was worthless. Deborah didn't see the business opportunity. No. Duncan just didn't like the product. Uh, it was season three, so back in 2006. Mm. So in, and it aired in September, so we're coming up to our anniversary of 14 years now since wow. being on the Den. Uh, Richard Farley wanted to invest, but he, he was after half my business for only 100k and I was only prepared to give away 10% so mm. I had to leave empty-handed although I did sell him the two trunkies I bought on the den gave him a discount <laughs> and a month or two later I received a, a, a check posted by his wife Monaco it was a coots check oh my goodness I was like I don't can't even touch it it's a coots check in that situation we're kind of jumping sort of back and forth because that's that's quite a few years ago now isn't it but I'd love if you want to tell us about what you did pre-trunky and how all that happened for you and then I'd love to sort of get your feelings about yeah going on the den and I guess when you're an entrepreneur the, the mental health and emotional side of that is you're putting your baby in front of the world and and everyone goes no we don't like it we don't think it's good you know that's that's a huge blow in a way isn't it so the bounce back but what what led you up to to that moment did you always plan to be an inventor and an entrepreneur was it always something on your to do no from, from the age when i was 14 i realized i wanted to be a product designer i was very creative i was also mm. dyslexic so i struggled mm. with the, some of the traditional subjects uh, and then from the age of 14 mapped out a career path to to become uh, a product designer and that involved going to the best university in the, the land at the time for product design that was northumbria mm -hmm. at newcastle where jonathan ives of apple fame had studied a few years oh. earlier oh. i did internships in new york my first job was out in taiwan but it was actually in the second year of university when we had asked to enter a national luggage design competition mm -hmm. i put my mind space in in luggage went down to the local department store in Fenix in eldon square looking at the luggage section and the eureka moment really came when i was looking at ride on toys in the kids section remembering my ride my younger brother relentlessly riding his ride on tractor around the garden and thinking well actually they waste a lot of space because of the manufacturing technique they use mm -hmm. but there's a new trend in adult luggage at the time this is what 97 24 odd years ago they used hard molded plastic so i thought why not marry that technology with the function of a ride on toy but really maximize that internal space mm. make it fun for kids to ride on so that the, it was born back in 97 i won the competition in 98 the judges took me aside and said rob you've got quite a commercial idea here mm. you should try and license it so i approached carlton who are a british luggage manufacturer oh, yes, back in the yeah. day manufacturing just outside croydon back then uh went down pitched them how are we going to revolutionize children's travel together and they very politely told me i'd invented a, a toy and not a piece of luggage so that was my first rejection mm -hmm. i then went and chased toy companies and they politely told me i'd invented a piece of luggage so no no one wanted to take the risk That's on so the, frustrating. the concept they're like one says it's a toy and one says it's a luggage and you're like guys it's both that's the usp yeah. so this, this became probably my first side hustle so i was still yeah. studying it wasn't my full focus. I was just trying to get this product to market. Fast forward um, a couple of years and I managed to find a toy company 
and the 2003 London Toy Fair who took it on. We signed a global licensing deal. They had global rights to, to revolutionize family travel. And after three years, they went bust after only securing one customer in Saudi Arabia, of all places. So Trunky had never got anywhere in the world. And uh, I was then a design consultant working for some big FMCG brands. And I decided that um, I could have a go at myself. And actually, the, the investors, the retailers, the manufacturers were right. It isn't a piece of luggage. It isn't a toy. What I saw it as it was a lifestyle brand for parents. So I repositioned the product. And we launched on the 5th of May, 2006. Wow. So I say we, really it was 10 me. 10 years later. Yeah. Sorry, who was, who was the we? You were going to say who, who you launched? Me. Just me, my left and my right hand. I, mean, I, always, <laughs> I always used the plural because it made it sound bigger back in the day. But uh, it was six months before my first employee joined. So nearly 10 years from thinking of the idea through to that moment. That's such a, a story like that really sums up sometimes when I think people think that things are an overnight success or, you know, well, it's okay for so-and-so, look how well they're doing. And you sort of think, no, hold on, 10, ten years almost this took me. So I'd had a few knockbacks and the, the retailers had a fair licensing deal. But when I went on the den, although I'd only just quit my job two weeks prior and I didn't have any national retailers on board because guess what? The luggage buyer passed me to the toy buyer, passed me to the apparel buyer and no one wanted to take the product on. But I did have a PO from the Museum of Modern Art in New York who were my first customer uh, and I was selling a few to independent stores and a couple of catalogue retailers so I, I had some traction even after a couple of weeks I had a custom-built website as you had to do back in the day and yeah when I when I was rejected I kind of really started questioning what value can you really add Richard saw some value but wanted mm. a load of money for it Peter said I didn't have a brand and I was like this is the whole business is about brand how can you not say I've not got a brand might, might not be established yet but the whole point of the business is a brand mm. and, and I really started questioning what value he, he would be able to add if he didn't see that. Well you stood there thinking no I know this is a brand did you have that that seed that had been sown and you were like no I know deep down. Yeah yeah absolutely I mean I, I left I was more worried about the theatrics when it aired on telly mm. it was going to be car crash than than being rejected by the dragons. Yeah. Uh, shortly after leaving the den this is at the beginning of 2006 the summer season I faced a much bigger extra bigger threat and that was when at the height of the liquid bomb, terrorist threats and airlines, the government decided to ban hand luggage. So I just received 1,600 pink and blue trunkies and the product was banned from its primary use. Uh, so I had to navigate that storm and that was about pivoting the marketing message to staycations Mm -hmm. and uh, really managing to control my overhead, which is why it took six months before I could afford to bring in my first employee and look for the green shoots. So I was exporting internationally and the, the travel ban really only affected the US and the UK. Mm -hmm. So I was going <clears throat> a lot more international from day one. Uh, and actually, that's a similar strategy we've had during COVID. I mean, air mm -hmm. travel has reduced significantly and our product is, a, is within the consumer classification of luggage. But we've been pushing staycations and certainly when lockdown eased and you could go and visit grandmas, we got amazing uh, photos on Instagram of, of kids going off to see the grandparents the first time in many months. So, yeah, I think we're always trying to be relevant um, and, and it's that, that dynamic nimbleness we always try and pride ourselves on within the business that, that mm. helps us keep fighting. I love that because one of my next questions was going to be sort of to say, how do you bounce back after rejection after rejection? And it's something that as a freelancer, I deal with all the time, you know, unanswered emails right the way through to, yeah, you do a huge pitch for a huge piece of work and you don't get it. But, but that's, I love your answer already that the idea of, well, take a sideways move, you know, yes, yes, there's something really sort of thwarting you. You don't have to necessarily push through that, keep pushing through that door, look sideways at what others 
other doors, I guess, might open to you. How- I've got a very positive mindset. So yeah. when I was rejected by Carlton, the luggage company, I just thought walking out the door, well, that points me in a different opportunity. I've got the opportunity of, of toy companies to go after now. Yeah. Um, and um, having faced a lot of challenges in, in early life as well, mm-hmm. um, Quite a lot of these challenges are finite. Uh, they're going to take a, a lot of emotional resource to, and energy to overcome, but you've really got to kind of focus in on the things you can control and forget about the things you can't. Um, yeah. So I did try and phone up the government and all the airlines when they first banned hand luggage and quickly realised there's no way I could influence that. Mm-hmm. So it was focusing on the things I control, like my marketing message and my overhead. Um, so that's one thing I think that's really important. Um, if you get rejected, what can, can you can control? Is there another opportunity, another way you can approach it? And if not, put it in the past, in the rear mm-hmm. view mirror, and move forward and try not to think too much about it. There are always learnings from setbacks, from rejection and mistakes. So mm-hmm. absolutely um, learn from things uh, and do things better and improve. But I think there's also a great um, lesson and there's no right or wrong way to do things. There's mm-hmm. ways that work and ways that don't. And you've got to iterate, you've got to keep trying different angles and different approaches to finally succeed. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I've got one of my tingly moments. I keep having these for this season's interviews when when a really amazing piece of advice just comes through and you just think, wow, yeah, it's just, you've just got to, that's that's the self-employed way, isn't it? You you can't say I'm giving up now, you've got to keep on... Another mindset trick is just think um, you're just not quite there yet. So Mm. you haven't failed, you haven't quite got to the destination. And that destination may change and you may think you're going from A to B, but you end up at C, but that's still success. You still get results um, and you might not just be there yet. So always bear that in mind. Really love that. Oh, thank you. That's really, really lovely. And then, of course, you mentioned there growing up sort of challenges. And I think that's a perfect moment to sort of say, well, you've now written a book about your life story, a memoir about everything that you've come through. Would you like to sort of tell people, I know it's gonna be hard to summarize because obviously it's a whole story in a book, but t- tell us a little bit about, about sort of your personal story and, and the challenges you faced that you said, you know, obviously you faced some huge challenges that sometimes the business challenges probably pale in comparison to, to the personal ones. Would you like to sort of explain a little bit more to people? Sure, the, the book's title is called 65 Roses and a Trunky. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that title. Children often refer to the hereditary disease of cystic fibrosis as mm. 65 roses because they struggle with the pronunciation. Mm. And that was the disease I was born with, mm-hmm. uh, along with my twin sister, uh, who I sadly lost when we were 16 to, to the disease. Mm. And uh, faced with that very traumatic uh, event, I, I kind of realised that life was short and I could either choose to wallow in self-pity or, or try and make the most out of it and I think that was a an incredibly valuable lesson to get uh, at such a young age and that really gave me a whole different perspective on life and uh, certainly through my teenage years and early 20s I was running at 100 miles an hour trying to get everything I could out of life so party mm. hard work hard and never say no uh, experience as much as I could travel a lot um, uh, and then uh, that's changed a bit within the business where I was very focused on uh, building the brand and put everything I could into it uh, and then more recently it's been around uh, realizing what am I doing this all for and it's uh, really about for me it was about to start a family and mm. I spent my first 30 years of my life thinking I couldn't father children because it's another problem with the, the disease mm. and then modern technology has evolved and, and we've been able to have three kids and the IVF um, journey that we went on shared in the book and that wasn't easy either mm. but um I think it's just a, a life of persistence and resilience. And 
I wanted to share, I do a lot of business speaking and people mm. always say you should share your story, write a book. But I thought if I tell my deeper story, the, the real personal battle I've been fighting as well with some key psychological insights and people might be able to learn to, how to overcome not mm. just businesses, business challenges, but personal setbacks and, and loss. Uh, and, and just try and um, share some of the tools I've used to, um, to make the most out of my life. Yeah, it's so moving, Rob, because I just think you've really chosen to embrace challenges and go for it, which I think there must be days, and, and I'd love to know if this is true, there are days when you sort of do feel like, well, what am I, you know, I can't do all of this. I'm trying to run a huge business and, and my family, and then obviously at the moment there's everything to do with COVID. How do you kind of find the balance with kind of life plus business? And I say life plus business, your life that's sort of obviously very challenging on many levels and, and then the business that's challenging. How do you juggle all of that alongside maintaining your health and well-being? Well, I guess a couple of things then. So realising I want to start a family and, and wanting to be around for my family. Mm. Um, I realised I couldn't be the sole leader in the business. and I need to get in some experienced people and hand over some of the reins from the commercial side and the, the finance side. Mm. So I could focus on product and marketing where my core skill sets are. And actually for the last four years, I've been working three days a week in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had that time to spend with the young kids. They're six, four, and one now. Um, so so <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's delegating. He's teething at the moment, so not mm. much sleep. But yeah, so delegating and freeing up that time so you can get uh, achieve some sort of work-life balance. And then COVID hit and cystic fibrosis, you're one of those um, extremely vulnerable people who should stay home. So that was a, quite mm-hmm. a challenge and not knowing how long this was going to go on for. Initially struggling with those food deliveries and getting hold of food, but uh, yeah. got that sorted um, within a couple of weeks. And it was just being thankful and grateful. So although don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year, but mm-hmm. um, the sun's out, we've got a garden, we've got a good coffee machine kids are loving it Let, let's just be grateful <laughs> for what we've got and take every day as it comes mm-hmm. and then kind of managing my health i found exercise has been a really valuable tool to stay keep my lungs as healthy as possible mm-hmm. so i have I, i've always set a, a challenge each year and that started off being half marathons and three half marathons in a year then the london marathon so oh, i wow. into john groats and then i've got the triathlon bug and I've competed in middle distance triathlons, but with three young kids, I didn't get the time to train. So <laughs> it's thinking, well, they're not going to be young forever. So I'll make the most of that. Uh, I'll be able to get back on the, the tri bike in the future. But for now, yes. I'm just going to focus on something I haven't done much of, and that's distance swimming. So I'm open water swimming. Oh, wow. I've got a 6K race at the end of this month down in Exmoor. So, um, and that's been quite nice during lockdown where you could actually get out into some lakes and do some swimming. Yes. Oh, I love it. I often say to people, do you exercise? Does it help with your mental health when you're you know, self-employed? And, but I haven't yet had someone who sort of said, yes, I've, I've got into open water swimming. Is it, is it really? I love swimming because I love that I have to put my phone down and I just love the water just feels almost like this huge escape. What is it about swimming for you that really helps give you that balance? Is, is it the fact that you're just like, well, no one can really talk to you when you're in the water. There's no emails. There's nothing. <laughs> Well, I've, I've really enjoyed open water. I mean, I did that as part of triathlons, but uh, more so now. And you can't go in the pool. The pools are a bit boring and monotonous and <laughs> kicking off the end each side. Um, but it's just that being in nature um, and, and almost endless, mm. endless loops of lakes uh, and just the, the pure mindset of just going as far as you can, um, which, is, which is quite nice. 
Um, I mean, when I've been running, I found that very therapeutic from that dealing with the day's work. I never listen to music when I'm running. I just use it as a, as a bit of headspace, just mull over the, the challenges of the day. Mm-hmm. I just don't like gyms. I just want to be outside exercising on the bike, running yes, or, um, or swimming. I think a lot of people are now abandoning the gym. Even if they liked it before, they've realised that there are other ways to do things and then going and trying to book yourself in on a, a class in a sweaty gym and stuff. I think things are going to change in that way, especially for yeah. people. There's some amazing moments. Issues, you know. Mm, sorry, amazing moments during lockdown where uh, the roads were completely clear I couldn't go out during the day because a lot of people were around so I went out in the evenings after mm. the kids had gone down and just some amazing nights of just seeing literally one or two cars on a 10k run um, uh, and lots of other people out running and yeah it was, it was really interesting really nice experience but we get, we're getting a bit more back to normal now yes the roads are getting full up again aren't they it was uh, yeah it was lovely when they were all empty and when all the trains were empty and everything well, not lovely for everyone i know there's obviously challenges for everybody and we need the world to get going again but um yeah it's it's, it's funny isn't it that i sort of think exercise is always such a cornerstone is there anything else you do for self-care do you do to sort of switch off do you manage to switch off as an entrepreneur or do you find that your brain is always buzzing with something to do with business and planning ahead yeah i think uh kids coming into that your life has, <laughs> has um has changed things a bit and and trying to take things a bit easier now mm-hmm. so that um i've got more energy when my first daughter was born i was burning the candle at both ends still trying mm-hmm. to keep up the business social engagements working hard and not sleeping with her and trying to care for her mm. my partner so um yeah i ended up in hospital and, and i was just doing too much so i had to take a, a step back think about what what it was all about and um uh, and i needed to relieve some of my social engagements some of mm. the business stuff i was doing and and focus on getting some decent sleep so yeah that was that was a big change and i've yeah. had to slow down little tricks like not keeping the, your phone in the bedroom mm-hmm. and not doing any work an hour before you go to bed yeah. And just, just for me, it's switching off in front of maybe Netflix or the TV for yes. a bit. I love, I love switching off. I've, I find it funny when some people sort of say, oh, I don't watch television. I don't like it. What a waste of time. And it's like, I love telly. Like it for me, I completely agree with you. It's a real escape, not always a, a fancy drama either. Sometimes like what's your ultimate, um, I'll put you on the spot a bit with this question because it's sort of just come up as we've been chatting, but do you have ultimate, you're relaxing and you want your mind to switch off kind of TV shows? What have you been indulging in? What, what works for you in terms of a, a self-care, guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, put me on the spot now. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love sci-fi. Being um, Growing up knowing I couldn't be an astronaut when I really wanted to be, uh, I just love sci-fi and Westworld was a great series. Game so of Thrones, mm. yeah, they're, they're all good. Um, but I like a bit of comedy and quite dark humour. So at the moment, The Boys on Amazon Prime is mm. hilarious, but very dark. <laughs> Sometimes you need that though, don't you? It's like you can't have just ordinary TV shows. If you really want to switch off, you do need something that's a bit out there i think to kind of or you know a bit of really silly reality or something like that oh nice one sorry to put you on the spot there but good answer good answer i'd love to finish off um, and i'll get you to share with everyone where they can find you um except for if they'd like to follow you and that kind of thing or you know, get you for a speaking engagement but i'd really love it's kind of a two-pronged question i suppose the first thing would be did you ever imagine your little baby trunky could ever become what it did become, despite all of the rejections and the no's and the go to the luggage department, go to the kids. If you have advice for someone 
who is thinking of launching a product at the moment or has that bright idea what, what would be your advice for them if they're kind of like you back in 97 i guess as a, a product design student all you aspire to do is get your product on the shop shelf mm-hmm. um uh, and for people to see it and buy it uh, and that was quite a challenge to get it to market once it was in the market and it was on the shop shelf then it was kind of what next uh, and you're always re-evaluating your goals and um, a few years in we decided Trunky should be the global children's travel brand so um, let's create innovative travel gear that, that does that so we're always moving the bar further out uh, we sold over four million suitcases now around the world, um, which is which is incredible. Yeah, I'm really excited about the the future pipeline of product. But I get asked a lot um, from inventors and people with product ideas mm. how you should take it to market. And actually, having the idea is such the easy part. It's mm-hmm. so easy to have an idea. What the challenge is is having an idea that can be brought to market at the right price that people want to buy mm-hmm. that's, um, that has a USP. That's the really challenging part, but people think their idea is valuable. Your idea is not valuable until it's in the market and, mm-hmm. and you've got traction. So try not to be too precious about it. I mean, there's a whole thing about IP. We can spend several podcasts talking about that, but, yeah. but people don't want to buy a product people don't want to buy. So you might think it's the best thing since sliced bread, but if no one's interested, mm-hmm. you've got to talk to people. You've got to get feedback. You're always having to iterate. Um, so you, you present concepts and ideas, and this is generally what product designers do. You come up with some concepts, you share them, you get feedback, you iterate, you evolve, you share them, you prototype, you get feedback, you iterate, and eventually you end up with a product that people do want to buy that can be made for a certain price uh, and you can get to the market. But that process takes a lot of time bit of cash yes so patience patience and, and kind of that patience is just the word isn't it really i guess that's a bit the thing with business isn't it as well you've just got to say rome was not built in a day your business will not be built in a day yeah all of those things is that's really great advice oh thank you rob that's brilliant i love it really love it and then where can people find the book most importantly i, I guess if they'd like to find you they can probably Google Trunky. Sure, well, the book's on sale on Amazon. The audio book's out too. You can also get it from Waterstones and all good book resellers. If you want to follow my personal journey, uh, I'm on Instagram, at Trunky Daddy, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and feel free to connect on LinkedIn. Website for uh, any further information on me is roblaw.com. Brilliant. Oh, Rob, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I wish you all the best with, with Trunky in the future. Thanks, Jenny, and good luck with everyone freelancing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.